Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome listeners to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast episode. Today I'm joined by Nick Hyam. You may recall that uh, on a previous podcast episode, myself and Nick, we, uh, we introduced uh, what we'd be doing around a mini-series called Living the Life That You Are. So Nick, very, very warm welcome to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. And uh, just building on that, uh, that first insightful episode, Nick, uh, we, we, we started around... The, the massive question, I mean, six letters, three words, but boy, what a question. Who am I? And from that perspective, Nick, I think I'd like to build on that, if I may, um, by way of sharing a little bit of a, a sort of personal angle on it. And I think it'd be very, very beneficial for listeners to, to hear this, because I think there's a lot of confusion out there in terms of the information that we've had, particularly around trying to answer that question. So if that's okay with you, uh, Nick, I'd, I'd like to pull up on the thread of that third part of the new book, Speaking from a Heart 3 book. I think it will set the tone quite nicely. I'm going to quote verbatim because I think it will really help. So let's start a brand new story and begin to remove these irksome pain creating pebbles one by one. Maybe a good way to begin this new creative insight and liberating process is to recall my negative, despondent and victim-driven persona, who I referred to in part one as Shufflefoot. Imagine him walking his path with at least three pebbles in his shoe. So how do I, stroke Shufflefoot, go about dealing with the first pebble challenge? What if I decided to deal with it by welcoming a new, completely different persona, such as an empowering I am Superman version of me instead of I am Shufflefoot? And Superman, someone that totally embraces an I can mindset and is committed to self-talk that helps me to think like a healthy, wealthy, unstoppable person. So there's the first, there's the first one, Nick. How does that fit in with non-duality and, and answering, it more importantly, who am I? First of all, when we first hear the word non-duality, it sounds as if we're, we're talking about something that is allowed, is okay, versus something that isn't, because it, it's, it begins with non. And in truth, it's actually conveying that it's all allowed. All of that has a place. So let me just use the metaphor or the symbol of the yin-yang. As you may know, it's, it's from Taoist philosophy, and it represents the connectedness and relatedness of contrary forces. And duality simply is that, contrary forces, the opposites of life, the up and the down, the, the good and the bad, and the ugly, the light and the dark, the positive and the negative. 
And if you can just imagine the yin-yang symbol, you've got two segments, one black, one white. They're the same shape, same size, just different sides of the polarity within that circle. Now, what we do in life is we habitually focus on parts of experience. So we may focus on one part of that uh, circle, one segment, and we try to um, avoid the opposite. And therein lies our suffering. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to change your mindset or to transform our suffering into something that is in keeping with our true nature. That, you know, that is the, the joy and the creativity of living in this, in this paradigm, which we call life. And let me just bring to mind that symbol of the yin yang once again, and notice how there's white and there's black, there's light and there's dark. And those segments are perfectly balanced within the context of the circle. So the question is, what is that circle? What is that space? What is that context that's, that's encompassing awareness in which that play of the contrary forces appear? But notice how they're perfectly balanced. They're perfectly embraced. There's a place for both sides of duality. Another word for non-duality is advaita, which means not to. It really points to the connectedness of life. And that connectedness actually includes all expressions, all seeming parts of this manifestation. It says not to because it's pointing to the circle. The circle isn't refusing or rejecting any of the parts. It's holding them. It's how the, the circle is expressed. So a circle or a, a space without the segments of the yin-yang would be a blank space which, which couldn't be perceived. And so the yin-yang gives life texture, meaning, quality. And we know that all the contrary forces of life, all of the duality expressions, wouldn't be what they are without their counterparts. We couldn't feel happy without sometimes feeling sad. This is the, the normal, natural ebb and flow of life. One feeling or one experience or state needs an opposing state to be what it is. And this is the beauty in non-duality. Again, it means not to, because it's pointing to the context in which those um, contrary forces appear. But it's also saying that those contrary forces are already embraced, they're already allowed. And the beauty is to realize that, is to know that. It's not to chase a certain state, a certain segment within that circle. It's seeing how they're already balanced, actually. But just remember that you're not the mind. You're not the persona. And it's okay to express yourself through that persona. This is how we show up in the world, in, in, this, in this life, in this human life. We use the persona, symbols, our creativity. We are pure creativity and we are pure potentiality. 
And whenever we restrict ourselves, whenever we limit our expression as the fullness of life, well, then the body and the mind suffers. Before we pursue personal development and growth and change, we first need to check out who we are, who we really are before our stories begin. I am male, I am female, I am good, I am bad, I'm a, I'm a good person, I'm a bad person, I'm a lonely person, I'm a sociable person, um, I'm a father, I'm a brother, I'm a child, I'm a swimmer, I'm a cook, I'm driven, I'm lazy, I can, I can't. All of these stories play out in the context of the, of the circle of awareness. And without awareness, those stories couldn't be. So we have to first question, who am I really before these stories begin? And from that point, when we're clear about who we really are before the stories begin, before the I am something, when we've got a clear, deep understanding about our true nature, then we are absolutely liberated to show up in the world and to express, to change, to grow. Because we're no longer basing that growth and that appearance on a sense of deficiency. We're expressing from love because we're connected to the, the truth of what we are. Okay. So if I'm hearing you correctly then, Nick, what, what you're saying is that there is that very solid foundation for all of us called who I am. Mm-hmm. And once that's in place, that stage then, that solid stage, that solid foundation, if you will, provides a platform for us to act out creatively on something something else, whatever that persona may be. Just a bit like an actor in a film, really, because Mm -hmm. I've got my stage now. I know where that solid stage is. I know who I am at my true core. Mm -hmm. And once you've got that understanding in place that acceptance that knowing i think is the right Mm, um of this is my stage the rest really is kind of just as you said previously creatively whether i'm superman shuffle foot you know the incredible hulk whatever label one wants to attach am i hearing you correctly by saying that nick Absolutely right, Paul. Spot on, um, beautifully articulated. And and just to add to that, not that I need to, we then can put on a new suit of clothes to show up in the world out of love, out of abundance, not out of deficiency. We're using a persona to celebrate life and ourselves. We're not using it to try to fill a gap, try to fill a a void. There's a whole difference there between the two. As a non-dual therapist, I'd be very interested to look into what that pebble in your shoe is or was and to inquire into that pebble. What does it symbolize? What are the feelings? What are the sensations in the body behind that pebble? I would provide a space of awareness and to shine clarity onto that part of your experience to 
help untangle that web of experience you're calling a pebble. We, d- we don't try to negate that pebble. We don't try to uh, even analyze it. We just try to understand it very gently through shining awareness onto it. And that in itself is, is liberating and healing because we're actually making room for all the things that we habitually see as not allowed, not, not having permission, not, not okay. We're making it okay to, to, to not be okay. And that makes us feel okay. We reach a depth of natural contentment and equanimity in the deep foundation of ourselves. Really brings in the second pebble that I alluded to in the book, and it's around beliefs. Because what was it for me? I created a belief system. Obviously, at the time, I didn't know what I was doing. I was, I was just in the, in the realms of, of raw survival, just picking something up or making something work for, for brutal, raw survival. And that was a belief system. How I've contextualized that, Nick, in, you know, this may be relevant. In fact, I'm sure it is. Uh, certainly to your question, I feel, and also, um, you know, the bigger the bigger question of who am I? And if I quote verbatim just for a small paragraph, there are two contrasting scenarios around beliefs. Do we believe to see or do we see to believe? Which one is true? Neither. All beliefs are neither true, false, right, wrong, nor real. They are merely something we've decided is true at any given moment in time. My shuffle foot persona became part of my own story, my own, inverted commas, truth. It was based on a negative, disempowering belief system that I created, one that led to years of darkness and a destructive existence until I had the awareness to change it. What, what, a, what a powerful representation of your experience and your, your journey. Totally, it's, it's true. No belief is true. And no belief is wrong. And they're both valid and not quite able to encapsulate reality. You said that, that, that pebble was your belief system and your belief system was based on raw survival. And so... With non-dual inquiry, we can then delve into that raw survival and just gently consider the various facets of your belief system, of your experience, to help soften and create more space in that belief system. And then you can, then you can just you can just ask yourself, is this belief system still serving me now? Because it did, it did serve you at one point, even though it may have caused suffering and heartache, it had a function. So just, just saying that acknowledges that belief system, that pebble. It makes room for it. It validates it, but it also looks beyond it. Many people hold on to these pebbles quite unconsciously and don't really understand the root or the, the catalyst of the formation of the, the pebble. And it just rattles around in your shoe and 
we're not always mindful of it even being there until we get quiet until we're no longer distracted or we have the readiness to check into that pebble and just ask that question what is it what does it consist of and what was its function was it was it keeping me alive at one point in my life does it still need to do that now and they can be really powerful questions in in uh, non-dual therapy and self-inquiry and meditation or just in your own quiet time giving loving kindness and understanding to all aspects of experience pebbles and flowers and all of the uh, contrasting opposing forces of life so that's that's about embracing isn't it it's about knowing in the context of being on that solid platform stage of of knowing who we really are the rest is just a role i assume and if i'm in a good mood i'll play a good character and if i'm in a bad mood i'll play a bad you know it, i can't get past the word superficial Nick, which kind mm. of brings in something as we draw to a close now the third pebble very briefly um, and if I can flip back to my very, very first podcast over just over a year ago, and it was called Mastering Life is as Simple as ABC, and the A was for awareness, the B was for beliefs, and the C was for creativity. But I'd just like to offer the, the contrast on that ABC, which fits perfectly well, I, I feel, in this yin and yang, black and white image of the A is for the alter ego. Mm. which is what we spoke about in this mm. podcast episode, Nick, around Shufflefoot versus Superman or Superwoman. Mm. You know, let's not mm. be uh, biased here around gender. The B, the beliefs, I think they're relevant irrespective of where you, you know, which part or which direction you come from. But the C, from the original creativity of awareness, is around control. This mm. fear-based control. I yeah. will control everything. And I think more than anything, Nick, when we look at our lives, I feel that that's the one, this, this whole lack thing. I will control it because, you know, I'm always chasing something more. I want something bigger. You yeah. Know, this, yeah. Uh, I know you've wrote about it in your book. Um, yeah. Living the life that you are, how we chase enlightenment, for mm -hmm. example. You know, the the mis the misconception is we get to a stage where it's almost like climbing a ladder. Okay, I'm at level ten now, whatever level ten. I'm 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 enlightened. I've got a label that says I am enlightened. Well, I, it's it's a total contradiction, isn't it? Just give us one real practical step to take away, Nick. To you know, to start to embrace and build that and create that mm -hmm. stage, that platform, that that mm -hmm. subsequently we can then start to perform on whether we're shuffle foot, Superman, yeah. Superman, or whoever or whatever. And you you mentioned embracing and knowing, and how do we how do we cultivate? those qualities so we can discern with clarity so we don't get stuck on specks of awareness which manifest as pebbles which feel huge how do we 
step back and get space and see that spec in its true context rather than it eclipsing who we really are beneath our stories and our beliefs. There's a, an understanding of mind and also the fabric of existence within the Bhagavad Gita and within yogic philosophy and Ayurvedic healing. And that is called the three gunas. They're similar to the yin-yang in a way, but it's from the, the Hindu approach rather than Taoism. The three gunas are tamas, sattva, and rajas. So sattva is a clear, calm mind. Harmony, balance, virtue, and it allows for that discernment. It allows for that embrace of experience and that deeper knowing. It facilitates practices like self-inquiry and meditation, and it reveals our true nature. And you mentioned as well, control and lack. And that mindset comes from Rajas. So Rajas is uh, one of the gunas, and it's an energetic mind. It distorts awareness. It has a projecting power. It makes us feel busy, overly passionate, uh, aggressive, frustrated, excited, and anxious. It makes us desire for more, 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 more. And it's based on the assumption of lack. And it actually hinders self-inquiry and meditation. It's, I would say, the, the ruling guna right now in this, in this society, in, uh, especially in the West, where there's a sense of lack and a sense of having to be more, do more, have more. And nothing is ever quite good enough. And there's always a sort of constant striving for something better. Um, and then tamas, finally, is a dull mind. It obscures awareness. It has a veiling power. It makes us feel apathetic, lazy, sluggish, foggy, heavy, and it makes us feel depressed. It actually helps us sleep as well. So while Rajas gives us motivation and wakes us up in the morning, tamas actually makes us uh, go to sleep, which is perfectly fine. Now, tamas and rajas, um, they may seem negative, but they actually ha have a place in this, in this uh, life. They are crucial because they help regulate the, the body and the mind and nature and just the whole cosmos in which we live. Um, so they're the building blocks of experience in a way. The issue is that our suffering happens when we get stuck in any of those three gunas, including sattva. You know, if we have too much sattva, that is still, that's also going to cause suffering sooner or later, even though it's the, 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 the quality, because guna just means quality. It, it, will, it will just, just provide too much calmness to the point where, you know, we won't even be motivated to do anything. So they're all in perfect balance in truth. But such is the mind that it, it tends to sort of get so immersed in these. But there is a, a section on my website, nasagayoga.org, which goes into the, um, the three gunas. And there's a really interesting quiz you can do to see which of these three gunas are dominating your life right now. As I say, we all have a mix and blend of these gunas, but one tends to dominate at any given time and it, it creates our perception and our experience in a certain way. So if you're feeling low, it could be that tamas is at play 
if you're feeling restless and anxious and overly driven, rajas could be at play. If you're feeling peaceful and content and harmonious with life, then it's very likely that sattva is guiding you back to your true self. That's what sattva does. And so just being mindful of these qualities of dull mind, clear mind, and energetic mind can be really useful because once we're aware of what's happening in our experience and we can get some spaciousness around that, we can then work with that rather than just feeling so immersed in it and stuck. And when we work with it, we can then work. Superb, Nick. You've mentioned the website there, obviously. Are there any other methods of contact where listeners can get in touch with you and find out more about you and your work? Yeah, I mean, the, the website is the best place to do that. Uh, but just for the clarity of the spelling of Nisarga, um, Nick? Yeah, so it's N-I-S-A-R-G-A. Excellent, okay. Nick, I want to thank you yet again for your invaluable insights and this, this life-enhancing stuff. And uh, I certainly look forward to the, the next episode and discussion we have around this. Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you. Thanks so much once again for having me and for sharing your inspiring journey with myself and the listeners. Hearts, helping everyone achieve results towards success.